Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Rogers surveying, fires, that's caught, Randall Cobb into Chicago territory. Randall Cobb inside the 20-yard line. Randall Cobb is going to score. 75 yards, that is crazy. Let's do it again. Let's do it one more time. Let's run it back. Maybe, maybe the only awesome Packer game from last year. Week one, Chicago Bears. Of course, we've talked about it a bunch. One of, like I said, the few highlights of last season. Packers going to do it again. Bears going to do it again. The NFL announced yesterday, and we just didn't get to it. We just didn't have time yesterday, and that's fine. Covered some Brewers, covered some Bucks. Kind of put a capstone, at least for now, on the Badgers season yesterday. And now, let's actually talk some Packers. Let's actually get to it. So the NFL announced yesterday that the Packers and the Bears are going to open up the NFL season, which had been rumored, maybe even expected. But they made the official announcement yesterday, and it's it's starting to feel real. The coaches' meetings are going on. We're hearing sound bites. We're getting breaking news uh, regarding offseason plans with the Green Bay Packers and first-year coach Matt LaFleur. A lot of exciting things going on with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, and by the way, the draft is right around the corner as well. Packers are exciting right now. Let's get into it. This is the Wisco Sports Show, uh, brought to you by Played Against Sports here on WK2. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having uh, a good evening. We got a lot to cover. I want to talk Bucks later on in the show because tonight, and you'll hear it here on WKTY, Bucks Rockets. And I know Milwaukee has all but secured the one seed, and Houston is set in their playoff spot. It looks like they're they're just working to keep hold of that three spot in the West, which is obviously tremendous as well. This one game in and of itself might not mean a whole lot, but for these teams, and specifically their two superstars, it means a ton. So we, I want to dig into that coming up. But I want, to, I want to talk about Packers. It's been a while, and we always have a tremendous cast, a tremendous crew when it comes to talking about the Packers. You can join me, 608-796-2558, on the five-star telecom talk and text line. And unfortunately, even if the Week 1 matchup, the upcoming Week 1 matchup this fall... Uh, between the Packers and the Bears, even if it is incredibly exciting, it will not feature Randall Cobb, which is sad. So the, the Bears, the Packers will have to find a new weapon to always step up against the Chicago Bears uh, in week one. It was announced yesterday that for the start of the 100th season of the NFL, the Packers and the Bears, of course, the NFL's oldest rivalry. It was put out. It was put out in a statement by the NFL. And I love this. Because my favorite league might be the NBA. Uh, I love Major League Baseball as well, especially when the Brewers are great like that. It's not just the Packers for me, right? I, I enjoy watching just about every league, even if it's not the Bucks. I'll sit down and watch an NBA game, even if it's not the Brewers. You know, I might watch a Sunday night baseball game. I love that when the NFL speaks, everybody listens, right? We are in the middle of it, the, probably the closest NBA MVP race we've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. So I don't want to say we've ever seen in my time. Let me take that back. We are in two days away from opening day. Especially with the Brewers, there's more excitement than ever, and in the NL Central as well. NHL hockey playoffs are right around the corner. But the NFL makes one announcement. They say, this is our opening game, and everybody listens, right? And it's it's official. It was released in an NFL article yesterday. Here, I will read you the statement, because this is as official sounding as it gets. The Bears will host the Packers in an NFC North showdown at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time on September 5th 
on NBC to begin the NFL's 100th season. You know, you know what that sounds like? Talk about dry and official. It sounds like a like a severe weather alert when you get the buzzer, right? And 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 the voice comes on and it's always really crackly and I don't understand why cuz it's 2019, but the voice comes in at 11:59 and 30 seconds a tornado was spotted and it's it it's read in that really dry language. And that's this, right? The Bears will host the Packers in an NFC North showdown at 8:20 p.m. Eastern time on September 5th on NBC to begin the NFL's 100th season. The NFL is so damn official sometimes. I, I'm excited. I don't think you could get a better game. I understand the Patriots are the defending champs. And this is actually the first time since 2003 that the defending champs have not opened up the the next season. Right? So I didn't know if that was all, if that was like an unwritten rule that had been started since the beginning of the NFL that the Super Bowl champ gets to open up the next season. It has been uh, at least in the last two decades since since 2003 or two decades-ish. This year, the Packers doing something a little bit different, renewing the Packers, uh, or the NFL, should I say, uh, the most storied rivalry, right? The Packers and the Bears. I, I think it's this is great for NFL fans, right? Because just think of the storylines. On one hand, well, let's start with the Chicago Bears. This game's going to be at Soldier Field. On one hand, the Chicago Bears are coming off one of their, their best seasons in recent memory. They have not only stars and talented players, but young stars who are just beginning uh, to reach the height of their powers, just reaching their prime, right? Like Khalil Mack. And we talk about all those other defensive players as well. Uh, the safety, they they poached away Adrian Amos, but Eddie, uh, Eddie, not Eddie Jackson. Is it Eddie Jackson? I'm so sorry. Now I can't remember his name. I was getting cocky. Uh, Adrian, or Adrian Amos was, the, of course, the player that the Packers stole away. All those stars on defense, right? Akeem Hicks in the middle. All just coming into their prime. It's not like these guys are on their way out. This is an exciting, young, up-and-coming team, and they're trying to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, right? This is for real. Mitch Trubisky saying, hold on, I know this team is great, and they've surrounded me with talent, but I'm good enough. I'm I'm the guy. I'm not just a guy. I'm not a Blake Bortles, right? I'm not a Case Keenum. I'm the guy for this team in the future. He's trying to prove that. Matt Nagy trying to prove himself in his second year to prove once again that last year wasn't a fluke, right? That's that's the Bears situation. On the Packers on the other hand, they have a ton to prove. First of all, they have a first-year head coach, Matt LaFleur. And in Green Bay, you don't exactly have a lot of time to adjust, a lot of time to establish yourself. There will be expectations immediately, right? So you have Matt LaFleur. You have Mike Patton, who's setting into his second year as, as the defensive coordinator, and everybody thinks that now that players have had a year in the system, it's going to be even better. Remember on the, on the show a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a, a press conference answer from Mike Patton where he said, last year, we spent too much time telling our players what to do and not how to do it. Well, now that they have a year in the system and Mike Patton has kind of got his feet under him, at least a year's worth, there's a little bit of expectations there. The Packers have some young stars on defense. And I would imagine that they're going to draft some type of uh, hopeful defensive playmaker, whether it's in the first, second, third round. Oh yeah, and by the way, they brought in three free agents on defense and an offensive lineman. So the roster's been revamped. We haven't even gotten to the draft yet. Oh, yeah, and Aaron Rodgers won the battle versus Mike McCarthy. The franchise, not surprisingly, I'm not saying right or wrong, sided with Aaron Rodgers over Mike McCarthy, and now he's ready to prove that this wasn't my problem, right? This was not my issue the last couple of years. We needed a new coach. We needed a new system, and now that we have that, we're ready to roll. These two teams have a ton to prove, and, oh, by the way, they're meeting for, what, the 200th time? The NFL's most storied rivalry. It's going to be a sweet game. And Soldier Field, you know Bears fans. You know how they are. Do, I, do you have to? Okay, I'll say it. 
You, you read uh, tweets and posts from the NFL, from the Packers and the Bears. Gonna Packers and Bears opening up the season, and then the comments is just all Bears fans. Just, just talking smack. Just throwing their mouth around. And it's Packers fans, too. I shouldn't just hate on Bears fans. There's a lot behind this game, and in week one as well. I don't know how I feel about it. For the rest of the NFL and for NFL fans as a whole, this is a tremendous game. For Packers, I, I don't know. Obviously, the Bears are a tremendous team. And and coming into week one, you, you probably don't have everything figured out, especially with some new players, so there's an adjustment period. And we saw last year when that happened, Aaron Rodgers got put on his can and had to leave the game and, and almost suffered a really bad injury. So those kinds of things can happen in week one. If I could draw up the schedule every year in a way, form, or fashion that benefited my team, in this case the Green Bay Packers, I want to start and finish in anonymity. I want to start week one, a noon game in Jacksonville, and I want to end a a noon game in Detroit. Pile all those difficult games in the middle. Just like last year. Last year's schedule was tremendous. It was perfect. Yeah, they had a rough stretch of Minnesota, Los Angeles, New England. But you fight through that, Then you can get healthy the last couple of weeks. Then you can try to build momentum against some of the lesser teams heading into the playoffs. And at the beginning of the year, you can start fast. You can start to build some momentum. Maybe build some chemistry with some of the newer players and and the rookies can kind of get their legs under them. That's the schedule that I dream of was last year's schedule. Opening up the season on Thursday night. Bright lights for a new head coach. Bright lights for an Aaron Rodgers who just went through a very public breakup where just about everybody sided with him. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be out to prove those people right and say, I was that was the right choice, right? Mike McCarthy was the problem. It's going to be baptism by fire, that's for sure. Maybe that'll work, maybe it won't. I don't know. I'm excited to watch. So the Packers and the Bears week one. Uh, some interesting Packers. So the coaches have been meeting out in Phoenix, right? They do this every year. They take the really awkward uh, picture with all 32 head coaches. So Matt LaFleur had a chance to, to sit down at the luncheon and talk to a bunch of members of the Packers beat. We got some interesting comments. We got some interesting quotations, specifically one about a position group. And it maybe it changed the way that I'm thinking about this position group. We're talking specifically about the safeties. We know they brought in a free agent, Adrian Amos, to sure up one spot. What about the other side? Well, maybe Matt LaFleur, maybe intentionally or not intentionally, and Brian Gutekinds maybe showed their hand. Just a little bit. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. Don't go anywhere. Back in a minute here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Of course, presented by Play It Again Sports. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're having a good day. What's going on? We're talking a little bit of Packers football. It's been a while. We have been so blessed. We have been so blessed the last couple of months to be able to talk about the Bucks, to be able to be excited about the Brewers. And sometimes it just feels good to talk a little bit of Green Bay Packers football. They're going to open the season against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night. Don't worry if we have any Patriots fans listening and if you're feeling cheated out of being able to open uh, up the the NFL season. They're going to play on Sunday night. So that first week, we're lucky because we have Thursday night football, but it's on NBC, so it feels like Sunday night football. And then we have another Sunday night game four days later, which is actually on Sunday night. So the Patriots will play that game. They haven't announced who, but the NFL's like, don't worry. Get the Pats on Sunday night. They're not completely being left out. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You can reach me there. 
Also, uh, catch me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. You can find the station at WKTY. Lots of, lots of ways uh, to get involved with the program. Today, or, or not just today, but the last couple of days as well, have been the NFL meetings in Phoenix where all the coaches get together, the GMs get together. So it's it's basically like the combine m- minus the players. How's, how's that to look at it? So all the, the coaches get together and take the awkward family picture, you know, and Andy Reid's got the Hawaiian shirt on and it's just it's just an awkward, awkward scene. But the members of the Packers beat and all the other NFL beats as well get to sit down with the coach and, and talk over lunch and talk to the general manager as well. Brian Gutekunst a little bit more accessible than Ted Thompson has been in the past. And Brian Gutekunst let one thing slip and I, I shouldn't call it a slip. It was more just a comment that. Leads you down a path of thought, right? Gives you an inclination or gives you an idea of maybe what the next step for the Green Bay Packers will be, right? I'm, I'm talking about specifically Tremont Williams and the nature of his position. Remember, last year he was moved to safety after HaHa Clinton Dix and, and a couple other players were jettisoned as well. It wasn't just Clinton Dix, so Tremont Williams being moved to safety out of his natural position. And they asked him, do you see Tremont Williams being your game one starter at safety? Because I think... Up until now, as Packers fans, we have been thinking, okay, Tremont Williams is one starter, fill in the other any way you can. Well, the Packers then go ahead and sign Adrian Amos, and you're thinking, okay, Amos next to Tremont Williams, that's not so bad. Brian Gutekin says, whoa, 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 wait on a minute. This is the quote uh, specifically shared with Michael Cohen of The Athletic. He says, I think naturally Tremont is more of a corner, but he can do it all. He's such an unselfish player and such a pro that I think he'll go wherever he fits or in whatever makes the team best. I think naturally he's more of a corner. I think we all thought Tremont's skill said he was able to play the post, but we signed him as a corner. He wants to keep him at corner. He's got the ability to move to safety, but this season we want him to be playing at corner. That's his position. We want him there. And and it's not... Look, if the Packers had a bunch of studs all over the defense, right? They had a Khalil Mack on the defensive line. And they had Fletcher Cox in the middle, right? And they had, I don't know, take your pick of linebackers. Uh, they had Bobby Wagner and Anthony Barr in the middle. And then they had corners like Xavier Rhodes and then Patrick Peterson. Well, now all of a sudden, Tremont Williams' position isn't so important because you have established players, established veterans who have been doing this for a while. The Packers aren't in that position. The Packers have a lot of young, ascending players who you hope one day can be stars. Right, Kenny Clark, I, I think, plays at the level of a star. I don't know if he has the flash. I don't know if he has the intrigue as some other defensive linemen around the league, and that's fine. But you like where he's going, you, a young player. You like Jair Alexander, and you hope Josh Jackson continu- continues to get better. You have a lot of young talent on this team that needs a compass. It needs a guide. Tremont Williams is one of the few veterans on this defense right now who I think can really be a leader. Remember when Charles Woodson came to Green Bay, not only did he bring tremendous value as a player and an impact in the game, obviously, but something that everybody raved on and on and on about was his ability to teach young players because the Packers, especially under Thompson, were a draft and develop team, a lot of young players. Somebody needs to teach those players how to watch film, how to prepare, how to take care of their body, right? Things that you learn over time, eventually, if you don't have someone to show you the way. Charles Woodson was that guy. Tremont Williams should be that guy, can be that guy. But now all of a sudden you're putting a lot on his plate when you also ask him to play out of position, right? Hey, Tremont, we we appreciate you coming back. We love having you in Green Bay. We need you to talk to guys like Kenny Clark, especially not just Kenny Clark, but guys in the secondary, which is more of Williams' forte, let's be real. Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. And you know what? We like this Tony Brown kid, too. I, I I think that if you work alongside of him and give him some of your experience as a veteran in this league, we, th- we think he can be a, a good piece this year. We want you to help grow our secondary and, and bring in uh, and, and, and help 
change the guard over to this this new group of players that Brian Gutekunst has brought together. Oh, but I haven't even been mentioning Kevin King. But Tremont, also, we want you to play safety. A position that isn't your number one position, and you're not as comfortable there, and you probably won't play with the same confidence. Can you do that as well as being one of the veterans, being one of the leaders, the teachers on this defense? It's a lot to ask, right? I don't know if that's necessarily fair to Tremont Williams, but Brian Gutekunst wants to play him at safety. Packers want him back, or excuse me, at corner, want him back at corner. So now the wheels start spinning in your head, right? Well, if Tremont Williams gets moved back to corner, you have Adrian Amos, and who else? Because remember, the Packers lost some intriguing players, so they traded Hawkland Dix, obviously, but then they cut Jermaine Whitehead, and Kentrell Bryce signed with the Buccaneers. So you're really only left with Josh Jones and Raven Green, and don't get me wrong, I actually liked Raven Green. I thought he flashed at times. And if he just sneaks on the roster as a reserve, I think the Packers are in a good spot. But he does, you don't want Raven Green as your week one starting safety. So either the Packers are very, very confident in Josh Jones and Raven Green. Because let's be real, they see things that we don't. They have conversations that we don't. They watch practices and workouts that we don't. So maybe it's it's like a Milwaukee Brewers and David Stearns thing, right? They have more confidence in their players than the rest of the league, than the fans, than the media, et cetera, et cetera, right? I find it more likely, in fact, almost a certainty that the Packers are not done acquiring safeties. I think they're they're eyeing one in the draft. I don't know which one. This year does not have a Derwin James in the first round like it did last year. There's not one superstar safety to be had in the first 15 picks, right? Every once in a while, you have one of those. You have a Jamal Adams. You have a Derwin James. This year, there there really isn't a player like that. So at pick number 12, I don't necessarily see it. Now, you start looking back a little bit and maybe start at pick 30, and then you work back into the second and third round. There are some interesting players. I was doing just a little bit of research at some names. The safety group is pretty quiet in this draft. The most interesting player that that I think of is Amani Hooker from Iowa. Not going to be a first or probably not even a second round pick, but maybe in round three you start to think, what about another Iowa member in that secondary? I like it. I like the idea of Amani Hooker. You can pair him with uh, Adrian Amos, and then he's playing in that secondary along with Tremont Williams, who can provide some, some I, wisdom makes it sound corny, provide knowledge and experience. To help bring that young player along. Like if you were to talk about Imani Hooker, right? And he's also playing alongside Jair Alexander. He's playing alongside Josh Jackson and Kevin King. And let's be real. Young players, they're juiced up. They love playing together. You ever watch uh, NBA fans? You watch the Kings. You watch the Nets. There's a certain vibe. There's a certain juice around those young up-and-coming teams. It's like they have something to prove. The Boston Celtics in the playoffs last year without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward, they were just balling. They had, they had a swagger to him, and I don't like to overuse that word, but they had a swagger to him. Sometimes young group of, groups of players, when they are balling and they're playing together, they just play with a swagger that, that older collections of players just don't. I like the idea of adding a player like Amani Hooker into that secondary. Nasir Adderley was another name that's being thrown out. Obviously, that's a name the Packers are familiar with. Like I said, I don't think there's a safety to be had at pick number 12, at least one with the value to be taken at pick number 12. But I do think there are a couple of guys in this draft. And just listening to, to Gutekunst and Lafleur talk about Tremont Williams. He is a corner. We want to keep him at corner. And I think that's in the best interest of the Packers. They're not done. 
because I cannot believe the Packers would go into week one with a starting tandem of Adrian Amos and either Josh Jones or Raven Green. Because when you think about it, it's a 16, there's 16 games, 17 weeks in the regular season. Injuries happen, right? Fatigue happens. Wear and tear happens. Those two safeties probably aren't going to start all 16 games. So even if you think Raven Green is an okay guy or Josh Jones is an okay guy, somebody's getting hurt. And then what happens, right? Because now you're you're really up a creek. I thought the Packers going into last season with HaHa Clinton Dix and Kentrell Bryce and nobody else was a mistake. I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. I don't think they want to make that mistake again this year. So I have a really hard time believing that just because Adrian Amos is back there that they are comfortable going in with Josh Jones or going in with Raven Green. I don't buy that for a second. So who are they who are they looking at in the draft? I like the idea of Monty Hooker. I'm right I'm writing that down. Might have to revisit that idea. I really like it. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. And when we come back, you can join me to talk some bucks. A big game tonight. We're getting very close to the end of the regular season. And you can hear the game tonight on WKTY. It gets underway at 7. Pre-game at 6.30 with the Bucks Radio Network. Justin Garcia, who's been on this show, obviously. To get you ready for the Rockets and the Bucks. Tonight is huge, not necessarily for these teams. The Bucks have the one seed all but secured, and, and the Rockets look pretty set in the three seed in the Western Conference. But for two players, specifically Giannis and specifically James Harden, this is a huge matchup because they are going nose to nose right now in the closest MVP race in my lifetime. How does tonight's matchup affect that? And what has Giannis said about the whole MVP conversation? I don't think you're going to be surprised. I'll share with you a conversation he had with some reporters and some very interesting quotes. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show, provided by Played Against Sports. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk some bucks here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show is rolling on here on WKTY, brought to you by Played Again Sports. You can always find us at 96.7 FM, 580 AM, streaming live on our website, WKTYsports.com. You got options. Got lots of options. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. I want to move into some Bucks talk. We had uh, been talking about the Packers, and they're set to open the season on Thursday night against the Bears, which is going to be a whole lot of fun, if not uh, a little nerve-wracking as well. That's going to be a hell of a team. Packers still with some question marks. And then maybe how they fill out the rest of their defense moving forward. If you want to catch up on that conversation, if you missed out, go to our website, WKTYsports.com. Click on the podcast tab. All my shows right there. All of them. You can jump around, catch what you missed. Maybe if, if something was that great, hey, you want to listen to it again? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you no. Knock yourself out. WKTYsports.com. Uh, you can find all of our shows there in podcast form as well. We were talking yesterday about Sunday's Bucks game versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I said, one of my biggest takeaways was Giannis looked bored. He looked bored. He looked like a player who knew that Cleveland is miserably bad. Cleveland started Brandon Knight on Sunday. Brandon Knight. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Cleveland is bad. Giannis. And in fact, nobody else in that building thought the Bucks were going to lose on Sunday. Especially not Giannis. He knew they were going to win. Get in. Get out. Stats don't matter. Flash doesn't matter. He had nine dunks on Sunday. Nine. And I still watched him and said, yeah, he looks bored. He, he's just he's just going with the flow. 
until the meaningful games come around. Now, what is meaningful to Giannis is a different question, whether that's high-profile games against good opponents, whether that's only playoff games. I, I, I don't know. Yesterday, it truly looked to me, and I guess the game was Sunday. We talked about it yesterday. It truly looked to me like Giannis did not care about the MVP race because I think Giannis could have had seven more points. He could have thrown some flash into a couple of his fast break stones. He just didn't. Get in, get out, take care of business, get on to the next game, survive in advance, and, and stay healthy and, and stay ready for the playoffs because that's the ultimate focus. Now, all the players say, man, I, I'm not concerned about the MVP race. I just want to help my team win games. I'm starting to believe it more and more with Giannis, believe it or not. Not just because of what he said, and we've heard him say that multiple times, but actually watching him play. Because on Sunday, he looked bored. He looked disengaged. He did not look like a player who was thinking, man, I, I, I got to pound some dunks. I got to get 30-plus points. Otherwise, I'm going to fall behind in this MVP race with James Harden. I, I, I didn't see that. I saw a guy who knew his team was going to win and was just perfectly happy scoring 26 and moving on and getting rested for the Rockets. That game is tonight. So he sat down with Eric Name of The Athletic, talked about this specifically. So I was reading this article today, uh, l- looking at the interview, looking at the transcript, checking out some of the audio as well. And it's it's really interesting hearing Giannis talk about it because there are times where Giannis is very, very confident. He's very, co- I don't want to say cocky because that almost carries a negative connotation, connotation but he, he is sometimes very confident saying, remember earlier this season, I don't think there is any one player who can guard me. Saying it very matter-of-factly in a post-game interview, right? Just sitting in the locker room. I don't think there is one guy who can guard me. It has to be a team effort for 48 minutes, right? We've heard him say that. And then we have seen the intense on-the-court Giannis dunking on Ben Simmons and calling him a expletive baby yelling into the crowd. He has in the past yelled, I'm the expletive MVP. We've seen all sides of Giannis. For the most part, it's, it's very mellow. It's very relaxed in the locker room. And I, I don't necessarily, I'm not focused on the MVP, right? This is what he had to say specifically uh, at last conversation. He said, I'm not going to say it doesn't mean anything to me. It's one of my goals as a player one day to be an MVP of this league, but I'm not going to go into the discussions. Giannis said this. James said that. Paul George said whatever. Jokic said this. I'm not going to go in a back and forth discussion. I don't want to say anything. And that fits the Giannis MO as well. Just not a big guy to be in the spotlight to try to make headlines, right? Even when he does say something confident, self, uh, self-praising self in an interview, it's very relaxed. It's very matter-of-factly. Like when he said, I don't think any one guy can guard me. It needs to be a team effort. He was talking X's and O's of basketball. He wasn't saying, man, I'm the best. Don't bring that weak you-know-what in here. It wasn't Richard Sherman. I'm the best corner in the league. You come at me. You try me. That's the result you're going to get, right? That's not what he was doing. You're saying, man, I don't, I don't think there is one guy who can guard me. It's, it's, a, it's more of a team effort. Even when he is confident, even when he is cocky, it doesn't necessarily come across like that. He's not in the business. He's not in the making headlines business. I don't think he really seeks to see his name in the news and see quotations in the news. He, he continues. Obviously, we have eight games left. We have 55 wins. We might be able to finish the season with 63 wins if we play it the right way. Because, okay, the regular season's over, even though I'm the MVP, or I'm not the MVP, or whatever, I don't care. There's going to be playoffs. And this is the quote that I love. I want to get out of the first round. I want to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I want to go to the Finals. There's more to this than just the MVP. And I think Giannis is, I I don't know specifically what he's referring to, 
uh, if he is saying, man, there's more to this than being the MVP. I want to be rested for the playoffs. Or there's more to this than being the MVP. I just want to help my team win. I don't know what the underlying motivation for making a comment like this is. But what I will say, the last couple of years, Giannis has typically twisted an ankle sometimes in the spring. He he did it last year. He did it two years ago moving into the playoffs. He did it against the Sixers. I was at the Pfizer Forum. I have never heard a quieter building, right? Giannis could use a little bit of rest. He could use some decrease in minutes, right? Even with his heavy usage rate, even with as many touches and as many minutes as he wants to play because he doesn't like to come out of the game. That was another part of the article talking about how Mike Budenholzer and Giannis, especially early on in the season, clashed heads because Giannis would complain when Budenholzer would pull him out. Every single time he'd be pulled off the court, Giannis would complain. Giannis is an interesting cat. I I do think he is starting to realize the focus should be on the playoffs. My focus is on winning a first-round series and making it to the Eastern Conference Finals or making it to the Finals. And whatever goes into that, I'm willing to do whether I'm the MVP or not. Whether I need to rest, whether I need to sit games out, Whether I need to, you know what, if I'm on a fast break, I'm just going to set it in. I don't need to go high-flying. I don't need to throw down a windmill. I don't need to go 360. Get the two points, move on. Because there's bigger fish to fry. Giannis says he doesn't care about being the MVP. He says there's more to this than being the MVP. And players say that all the time. James Harden, I guess, is I've never heard him say it. But every year in the MVP race, when it's coming down to the wire, you ask the athletes, Man, what do you think of Javier Baez to Christian Yelich? Or what do you think to Christian Yelich? Man, it's just about getting my team into the playoffs, playing our best baseball at the right time, just one game at a time, right? The MVP is is, is secondary. And that's typically what players say. Giannis is just following that mold of what previous MVP candidates have, have done in the past. But I, I actually see the proof in the pudding with Giannis a little bit. On Sunday, he looked bored. He looked disengaged. He had 26. He had 10-plus boards. And I believe he had six assists. He's like, man, eh. Threw down nine dunks, and he still managed to look bored, still managed to look disengaged. And I'm not hating on Giannis for that. His mind was made up. They were going to win that game. They were going to beat the Cavs. They were going to get Monday off, and then you got to come back and play the Rockets on Tuesday night. I see the proof in the pudding. I see it in the body language. I see it in the way that he plays. That being said, I really hope he's the MVP. I don't know right now if I was an MVP voter who I'd cast my ballot for. And, and I, it, let's let's use the Yelich Baez MVP race as an example, right? Because I remember in the fall, I actually didn't talk about the MVP race a lot. And our listeners didn't really chime in on the MVP race a whole lot. We didn't have a lot of conversations about the MVP race because it was so close. It was so close. It was so close. And then finally, we reached the point where I was like, all right, I can jump in. I can definitively say Christian Yelich has passed Javier Baez. He is going to be the MVP. He should be the MVP. He will be the MVP. I have been hesitant to stick my neck out either way. It just depends on what the MVP voters value. Because as of right now, the statistics for both players speak for themselves. You can make an argument for both players. You can make a case for both players. Harden's averaging 36.5, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Giannis, 27 points on 12 rebounds and 6 assists. Both are very good, very efficient, good true shooting percentage. Both around uh, .64. Harden's a little lower at .61. Both very efficient players. Very good scorers. Giannis is the better rebounder, obviously. Both do very well in the assist category. Harden's got a little bit of an advantage there. I weight Giannis's assist numbers a little bit stronger just because of the nature of the position that he plays. 
What do you value? What do the MVP voters value? Is it just scoring? Because if it's just scoring, it's Harden and it's not close. 36.5 points to 27.5 points. That is a, a bigger margin than we have seen in decades. In the scoring department, right? Now the, the rebounds count and the assists count and the efficiency counts and the team success counts, right? I got my arms up in the air right now. Obviously, you can't see that. Our radio audience can't see that. What do you value? What statistic weighs the heaviest? Or what factor weighs the heaviest? You talk about usage rate. You talk about touches. Harden is obviously the centerpiece of that offense. He is the end-all, be-all. The alpha and the omega of Mike D'Antoni's offensive system, which is high-flying. Giannis is a centerpiece of the team, but in a bit more of a distributor role. He definitely... Elevates players around him as well. The usage rate is absurd. And and this is one of the craziest numbers that I've seen today. I don't even I don't even know who did this math. I have a statistic. Usage rate, Giannis versus Harden. And maybe this will put it into perspective. Maybe this is a statistic that we need to put all the other statistics in perspective. So I'll share that with you coming up. I want to continue the MVP conversation. And I heard an argument this morning uh, from Yahoo's Vincent Goodwill. I, I, I thought it was really, really interesting. And he tried to state this in a, in a matter-of-factly way. Because if you followed along with this MVP race, you've listened to the show, you know that I don't think there's a great answer. You can make a great case for both. He tried to make it obvious. Make it seem like there was only one right choice. And I don't subscribe to that way of thinking. But the way that he put it made it sound simple enough. Got to talk usage rate. I want to share with you that argument uh, and, and talk about a couple other things as it pertains to Giannis versus Harden. And we'll get ready for tonight's Bucks Rockets game as well, which you can hear right here on WK2I shortly after the conclusion of the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, it's brought to you, of course, by Play It Again Sports. We'll wrap things up. Get ready for tonight's Bucks game coming up next here on WKTY. segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY presented by Played Against Sports. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for tuning in. Had some good conversation today. This MVP conversation gives me a headache because I, I don't know. I don't know where I fall. Like the Christian Yelich, Javi Baez, we put off the conversation. We ignore the conversation as long as we could. And then when we knew the answer, when we knew the right answer, then we started talking about it, right? When I was confident that Christian Yelich was going to be the MVP over Javi Baez, boom, it was clear, it was cut. Well, here we are, eight games remaining in the Bucks season, and I have no clue. <laughs> I don't. And it depends on the stat you look at. It depends on the metric you look at. It depends on who you ask, because everybody values statistics and metrics and, and all these different things, circumstances. Everybody has a different set of values for everything. The Bucks went from seventh in the East to first. 55 and 19. They could win 63 games if they went out. I don't think they're going to win out. I don't think they're going to win 63 games. There's a very good chance that they win 60. 59 at the least. They go 500, they'll win 59 games. That cannot be overlooked. Harden is leading the league in scoring, and he's doing so by a huge margin, a margin that I have not seen in my lifetime. That is huge. What's more important? Because the individual stat lines, as impressive as Harden's 36 per game is, Giannis is 27.5 per game is no slouch. He doubles Harden's rebounds numbers, and he matches the assists. Which, versus, I mean, Harden's a point guard with a usage rate unlike anything that I've seen in the last couple of years. Because when you 
Get a ball-dominant player like James Harden. Pair him with Mike D'Antoni, who has been empowering point guards for years and years and years, no matter where he's coached. You're going to get a really impressive product, and that's what we're seeing with James Harden. It just depends on who you ask. This morning, I, I heard a really interesting case for Giannis Antetokounmpo by Vincent Goodwill. He writes for Yahoo, and I, he was doing the rounds on a network this morning, and I was catching his opinion because I knew we were going to be talking about the MVP tonight before uh, tonight's game between the Bucks and the Rockets. That's underway at 7, pregame at 6.30. And I wasn't watching, I wasn't listening to steal ideas, steal statistics, steal opinions. I wanted to hear what these pundits were saying. These are voters, right? I can look up the statistics. I can see the record of Milwaukee versus Houston. I can look up the usage rates and the time of possession and the, the true field goal percentage and the efficiency. I can look that all up, but ultimately it's not up to me. It is how the voters and how the pundits take all that information in. What do they prioritize? What do they think is most important and which way do they vote? Vincent Goodwill has been writing for Yahoo for years and years, and this was his case. This was his argument. Now, I thought he was a bit strong in saying that this should not be a debate because if anybody tells you Harden or Giannis and it's not close, they're wrong. <laughs> Okay, it's very close. You can argue for either one, but it is very close. This is what he had to say in terms of Giannis. Second best player in the league, and I know everybody loves Paul George. He's the best Kawhi Leonard, best two-way player. When you look at defensive win shares, when you look at individual statistics, it's Giannis. Best defensive player on the best defensive team in the league, by the way. The Bucks are top three in offense, and Giannis is probably... The second best offensive player. He is the second best offensive player behind James Harden. Now, it's not particularly close, but second is second nonetheless. Oh, by the way, Giannis is on the best team in the NBA. He is the second best offensive player, the best defensive player, and he's on the best team. Bing, bang, boom, right there. When you make the argument that way, it actually does kind of sound like a slam dunk for Giannis. Basketball pun not intended, right? It's not that easy. Because when Harden is averaging 40 points, which he has been doing, he's averaging like 47-7 and for the last stretch of of X number of games. Ever since he popped off against the Lakers, he's on a tear for 47-7, and which is absurd. He's got a handful of 50-plus point games this year. Interestingly enough, I came across this statistic, and, and this is what I wanted to share. I don't know who comes up with this. Somebody has way too much time on their hands. Get a load of this, right? This is averages, average touch time, average possession time of the basketball between Giannis and James Harden. 565 seconds. That adds up to about nine and a half minutes. Every game, Harden is in control of the basketball. Nine and a half minutes. That's absurd. If you can't get a good idea of just exactly how much that is, there's games where Klay Thompson has not even gone two minutes. There's games where Klay Thompson hasn't gone above a minute in time of possession in terms of actually holding the basketball. Nine and a half minutes. That's absurd. And it's not even close to the next guy. Giannis is not the next on that list. Every night, on average, he has the ball for about 277 seconds, which is about half. It's actually less than half of Giannis, or of James Harden. So nine and a half minutes, that would be like, Four minutes and 45 seconds, right? So less than four and a half minutes. About four and a half minutes per game, Giannis has the ball. Harden dominates the ball like no other. Is that a factor when it comes to scoring 36 and a half points? Is Mike D'Antoni a factor in the system that he plays? You can argue, well, Giannis has the better supporting cast. Well, yeah, but because James Harden doesn't have as good of a supporting cast, 
he's allowed to do more. He takes more shots, gets more time of possession, more minutes. And he is playing for the head coach, Mike D'Antoni, who's been in power. Remember Steve Nash under Mike D'Antoni? Oh, my God. He's got a history of being able to beef up and pad the ball handler, the primary point guard on all of his teams. This race is so close. One of the statistics that I was drawn to today when I was looking at the wins and losses, because I think that's a big part of it. Because the Bucks are going to get the number one seed, I, I think it's all but uh, certain. We, we, the team success is a huge factor, right? So I'm looking at the records of these teams. I'm looking at wins and losses and all these things. And, and I was th- I was reminded, I, I thought of the TV show Chopped, and this is what I'll leave you with today. Have you ever watched Chopped on Food Network? If you never watch it, it it's just a cooking competition. You get four chefs. And they cook uh, three courses, right? And a chef is uh, is eliminated after each one. They do an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And after every round, a chef is eliminated. So the worst appetizer is booted. The worst entree is booted. Now, when they get to dessert, you only have two chefs. And at the final round, after the final round of dessert between the two chefs, not only do they look at the desserts, but they go back and look at the whole meal as well, right? So, yeah, 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 maybe your dessert was great, but what about your appetizer? Now we're factoring in everything. We're looking at the whole picture. Maybe that's what this MVP race comes down to. If Giannis and if Harden continue to excel at the level that they have been right up until the very end, MVP voters might have to get creative in the actual stretches of games, the statistics that they look at because it might be that close. They might not have any other choice. Harden started the year a lot slower. Giannis, and this was an analogy that I heard made this morning, Harden has been A-plus the last couple of months, right? Harden... Because he's had to be. They started pretty slow. The Rockets started 1-5 this year. Remember, everyone was freaking out. And they had some wins and, and losing streaks early. And it was very patchy. The Bucks started 7-0. and And Giannis has been tremendous ever since. Does that factor in? I, I don't know. In sports, we get so caught up in recency bias, right? We get so caught up in what happened last night. And I do think that tonight is going to be huge. And the next couple of games are going to be huge in deciding for those voters, Giannis or Harden. But when you look at the entire season as a whole, which these MVP voters, they might not have any other choice because it is that close. The Bucks might have a slight edge there, too. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. Let's take in this Bucks rockets game tonight. Let's enjoy it uh, and hope Giannis, for us Bucks fans at least, has a tremendous uh, MVP showing and hopefully upstages James Harden and gets the win tonight at Pfizer Forum. 7 o'clock tip. You can hear it on WKTY. 6.30 pregame with Justin Garcia and the rest of the crew to get you ready. Have a wonderful rest of your night. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.